We did an auction draft last month. Al, what was your favorite purchase on your team during that draft? I gotta say, probably not the cheapest purchase by far, but Matt Kemp for thirty-four dollars. I thought was good value. It was for Roto. So, and it fit right in with my strategy of. Uh, Target. Of buying Matt Kemp for $34? <laughs> yeah, it's a very narrow strategy, but, you know, I nailed it. So, Scott, your favorite? I'm going to have to go with Josh Hamilton for $12 just because it's such an extreme value. But, uh, you know, really, I think the reason both of them went for so cheap, those were the very first two players nominated. Hamilton won, Kemp two, everybody kind of mm-hmm. rubbing the sleep out of their eyes. Maybe that's a lesson to be learned. Yeah. My favorite... Mm, I don't know. It was kind of a tough call for me. I guess I'll go with Joel Hanrahan for $4. Much more on auctions later. First, I want to tell you about seeking justice. How far would you go to take justice in your own hands? Nicholas Cage answers that in an action-packed vengeance thriller starring Cage, January Jones, and Guy Pearce. Seeking justice opens in theaters March 16th. It's rated R. We welcome you here on Wednesday, March 14th to the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. So today's show, auction strategies and spring training trends right now. We're going to look at the guys who are doing well so far in spring training. Tomorrow we'll look at those who are underperforming. We'll do spring training first, then we'll get into the auctions. I'm noticing more and more people emailing us about auctions, more and more of my friends doing auctions. It seems to me like it's a growing thing. Would you agree? Well, it's pretty recent, really, the availability of it on the Internet. Um, Not too long ago, I'm talking just like five years ago, you pretty much had to all meet up in a room together with an auctioneer. With real money. Yeah, well, not (laughs) real money. (laughs) But but obviously, um, the, the Internet use makes it more convenient for everybody. And if you have the time commitment for it, it can take up to four hours. But if you have that kind of time, it's, it's definitely uh, the preferred way to go. Yeah, it definitely it took us like four hours to do ours, um, like you said, Scott. And we also had a, we had $260 budget. We had the typical standard roster. We'll get into that later. But we also had a seven-round reserve draft after the auction. Um, hitters, pitchers, who's doing well? So far in spring training and also some news and notes. But first, if you want to send us an email, fantasybaseball at cbsinteractive.com. Put podcasts in the subject line. We'll try to read your question on the air. Follow us on Twitter at CBSFantasyBB, at AlMelkCBS, M-E-L-C, at Scott White, or at CBS Scott White, excuse me, and at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R. Bryce Harper, Nationals 19-year-old outfielder, says he probably isn't making the team to start the season. Al, how does that affect you on draft day? Well, it makes me just a little more reticent to draft Harper. I was pretty skeptical, even though Davey Johnson was wanting Harper to be on the open day roster. I was always pretty skeptical of that. But, uh, you know, the chances are definitely lower with him missing time. So I'm downgrading him just a, a little bit. And it's more relevant in NL-only leagues. So in a mixed league, still going to take him where around like round twenty or something? Um, you know, it may make the difference between me taking him in the late rounds and not taking him at all. Okay. That's why I say it's really more relevant for me in the NL only leagues. Fair enough. Uh, Red Sox starting pitcher Clay Buckholtz is making progress. He obviously was very injured last year. Are you guys high on Buckholtz, Scott? I I think. There's the chance for him, a good chance for him to have a bounce back season. The bigger question to me is what is he bouncing back to? Um, because I don't feel like his ERA of two years ago is necessarily something you can expect. Uh, so I, I would probably put him in that middle uh, group of pitchers like the Sean Markhams 
of the world or the Jordan Zimmermans, even if he comes back at full strength. Any concerns about Michael Morse and his lat strain? Not really. He came back recently. Uh, I think he's going to play in a, a minor league game just in the next day or two. So uh, I, a hitter, he, he has plenty of time to get ready for the season still. I'm not worried. Al, some news out of the Oakland rotation. And uh, then we have some breaking news coming in about the Mets. But first, Oakland. Yeah, uh, Tom Malone looks like he's got the inside track on the third starter's job. So, of course, the A's have a whole mess of guys, mostly young pitchers, vying for the last three spots. Now it looks almost certain that it's just the last two spots uh, that are going to be up for grabs between, uh, I'm sure I'm going to miss some guys, but Brad Peacock, Jared Parker, Tyson Ross. Um, you know, those are probably the, the main uh, guys that'll fill in apparently behind Tom Malone. That makes him a safer pick, certainly in AL only uh, AL only drafts. Oh, what do we got on the Mets here, Al? Straight so, from the wire. Yeah, straight. Uh, yeah, just uh, within the hour, not minutes ago, literally, but within the hour. David Wright. We've learned that he has a tear, and this is going to sound awful, of the rectus abdominis on his right side. But it's basically the same kind of abdominal tear that Ryan Zimmerman had last season. And Zimmerman had to have surgery. He missed more than a third of the year. Um, rehab is an option, but this makes right, obviously, right now, without further information, really, really risky in the earlier rounds, which, of course, is what I've been touting all month so far. Wow. Well, that's disappointing. I think we'll probably know more about this tomorrow. We'll be able to talk about it a little bit more in depth on tomorrow's show. Did you have another note? Yeah, also uh, Jacob Turner, he was um, going to get some extra rest uh, due to an apparent dead arm. Now we've learned that he has right shoulder tendonitis and he will not pitch at all until probably at least next Monday. Okay. And we move on to Danny Duffy. He might be in the Kansas City rotation with Crow, Aaron Crow, going back to a setup role, Scott. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Um, Scott Miller, uh, CBSSports.com baseball reporter, emailed about emailed us about this yesterday. They're very enthusiastic about both Duffy and Felipe Paulino. And although the long-term goal is still to get Crow in the rotation, um, as as good as they feel about those other guys right now, there's just not room for them. And uh, that would mean he'd be back in a setup role. So I, this sounds like a reason enough for me to pass on Crow in favor of any of those other reliever moving to the starting rotation types like a Daniel Bard or Chris Sale or even Alfredo Aceves. Okay. Denver Post says Casey Blake with a stiff neck uh, may not win the third base job. If you want more, check out CBSSports.com. Get, get our player updates. Uh, they're very good. We have a great staff here working so hard right now on all these player updates. You want to give me a dark horse real candidate real quick to maybe start instead of Blake? Do I want to give you one or do you want to give me one? Do I? Do you want to hear one from <laughs> yeah, me? Yeah, I would. I don't want to give you one because <laughs> that wouldn't do anyone any good. Uh, Brandon Wood oh. retooled this swing in the offseason. I'll believe it when I see it. He's hitting well this spring. That I'm, I'm not touching him outside of NL only leagues, but I think it's it's – Definitely worth noting. Good segue if he's hitting well this spring, so we can include him in today's show. But do you know who has the most RBIs in spring training heading into Wednesday's action? All the stats I gave are going to be through Tuesday as we record this on Wednesday morning. Most RBIs. I don't know, and I'm cheating looking at the notes here, and I still don't see any good clues, so I'm just going to give up. There are two guys who have 10. I can't remember the second one, but the one I was highlighting was Travis Snyder. He is having a good spring. It's got to be Ryan Rayburn, right? I don't think so. Okay. Travis Snyder, though. Yeah. How's, how's that? Uh, how, what does that well, do for you? 
I think uh, he's getting to a now or never point, at least during his time with the Blue Jays. Um, and he's had good springs in the past, so I, I don't want to make too much of it. But uh, I think there, there's the possibility he he could get the leg up on Eric, Thame, Eric Thames here uh, for the Blue Jays starting left field job. Might be the better guy to target right now. In AL only or in mixed leagues? I mean, you could go after him in mixed leagues very late, but obviously AL only, he's going to be drafted in all leagues. I feel like the kind of guy who could be could have been drafted in our roto auction with the seven-round uh, reserve draft. You know, he could have been a dollar guy or a or a draft guy after yeah. you know, after the auction. And it's something he like could that, have right? been. Yeah, I, can I, check I don't think he was. He was real quick. I, I don't think he was. Maybe Fames was at that point. I don't know. But, um, yeah, you can let us know. But I just feel like he, he would fit that kind of league. Anyway, you did mention Ryan Rayburn, Scott. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's doing well. <laughs> yeah, he is. And he went surprisingly early in the, the latest Roto Mock draft we just did yesterday. Um, I'm, I'm thinking it was something like the 13th or 14th round, which, you know, I wouldn't go after him then. I, I'm not even necessarily buying this this hot start to spring training for him. Uh, where he's hitting 467 with four home runs and 15 at bats. Obviously, we know he can hit like that. He has at times during the regular season as well. It's just not consistent enough, and is usually saved for the very end of the season. So, uh, I think the most encouraging part about this is it means he's probably going to win the starting second base job for the Tigers. But still, in my mind, he's just a late round option. Al, I'm going to give you three names. You tell me who excites you the most right, right. now. Matt Gamel. 300 with three home runs, slugging over 700. And two outfielders for the Giants. Melky Cabrera, who's obviously a mixed league guy. Gregor Blanco hitting over 500 with six steals. Blanco, Gamel, Melky. Gamel, easily. Um, and the reason why is And just, that doesn't mean that you think he's better than Melky Cabrera, just who's exciting right, you more right now. Right. You know, and, and also what I'm reading into that is, you know, which one of these spring, uh, you know, uh, these great spring stats do I really care about the most and it's gamble because I don't you know first of all I don't put a lot of stock into the first couple of uh, weeks of spring stats in terms of any predictor of future performance but it does matter like we talked about with Travis Snyder if a guy's on the bubble that's where it can be decisive and gamble I wouldn't say was exactly on the bubble but if he had a really poor spring I could see the Brewers looking into other options Mm -hmm. um, uh, at first base and uh, I think this just solidifies Gamble's role. And it's just encouraging, too, for a guy who's struggled on and off offensively. Um, who can com- we compare him to? Um, who, who's a guy that, that uh, you could take around the same time as Matt Gamble? Well, again, you draft him Daniel, as a— Daniel Murphy. You draft him as a third baseman, so right. you've got to keep that in mind, yeah. Murphy, Daniel Murphy, Jed Lowry. Mike Moustakis. Uh, yeah, he's going, Hall, he's going about 60 picks ahead of Matt Gamble looking at head-to-head average draft position. Um, Murphy or, or Gamble? Who's better? Uh, I would probably go... You know what? I'd probably go Gamble. I, I'm hesitating here because it's really close. I'd probably go Gamble. I worry about Murphy, Murphy health-wise. Okay. Moving on. Billy Butler. I, I'm not sure that we've spoken much about him. He went for $7 in our, in our auction that we'll talk about. But he's having a good start to spring. He's going in the eighth round in head-to-head leagues, tenth round in roto leagues. What do you think? Hitting four fifty-five with two home runs, but I, I see this as a very, very good hitter. Nobody doubts that about Butler. Taking advantage of a good hitter's league against lower competition, and it, it really doesn't suggest anything like a breakout for him okay. to me. 
yeah, I like Butler a lot, but uh, I think he's pretty much established who he is, a 300-hitting, 20-homer guy. Let's talk about two second basemen in the NLL. Daniel Descalso, seven hits and 16 at-bats. He's competing for the St. Louis second-base job. Uh, and Darwin Barney having a good spring for the Cubs. Descalso and Barney, where do you see them? You know, draft-wise, I actually would probably prefer Barney just because, and I'm, I'm not really a big fan of Barney. I think he's an NL-only guy and, and not a, a high-end one at that. But um, the thing with Descalso, again, is he's battling Tyler Green, so that we, there's not job security there yet. Obviously, the good start for Descalso means that that's going to help him uh, battling out Green. But um, not enough there yet to to draft him, other than as a last he's, resort. In NL. He's terrible anyway. Descalso? Yeah, nothing to offer <laughs> offensively. See, if he has a full time job, I actually do like him better than Barney. Because what you just said, well, I, that's Barney's what the I same would say way <laughs> about I'm, Barney. I'm so. not saying Barney's better necessarily. I'm just saying, boy, I'd have to be in in trouble in an NL only league to draft one of them. Okay. Josh Reddick and Colin Calgo both having good springs in the Oakland outfield. Make any yeah, of that? Really, the whole Oakland team has been hitting well. It's it's surprising. It's probably just you know spring training, but yeah, um, yeah that that certainly helps their chances. I think Reddick is that might end up being a platoon in in the A's outfield, and uh, because it would be a platoon, it would kind of limit their appeal to. AL only leagues, but it's certainly encouraging for both. Another guy I want to point out who might have AL only relevance on that team, Eric Sagard, who I've always kind of liked, uh, draws a lot of walks, um, hitting 387 with two homers, two steals, and more walks than strikeouts so far this spring. They have an opening at third base with um, Scott Sizemore going down, obviously, and Sagard is, is starting to. Uh, gain momentum as a potential replacement there. So not really going to give you a ton of homers and steals, but in AL only, he could certainly be relevant. Pitchers, Atlanta's Mike Miner. Nine scoreless innings. Woo! <laughs> Fired up? Uh, a little bit, yeah, because I like Miner, and you know he had a little bit of a battle going on going into spring training. I think it's all but over now with uh, Toronto yeah. Delgado not pitching especially well and with Miner, you know, putting up uh, nine nine goose eggs. Is he, uh, a, is he a dollar bid kind of guy? I think he'd go a little bit higher. Not, you know, not crazy. Maybe three yeah. or four bucks on Miner. All right. I like it. Adam Wainwright, five scoreless innings so far in spring training. Encouraging, right? Very encouraging. Yeah, that's what you want to see. There's really been nothing bad about Wainwright's spring. So you're not, not concerned about him recovering no. from the Tommy John? Not at all. Boston's Josh Beckett having a good spring, one run in nine innings. This might be stupid, but Wainwright or Beckett? I'll take... Um, oh, I guess it wasn't stupid. Not stupid yeah, at all. Yeah, it's not stupid at all. <laughs> I would take Wainwright. I think I would, close. too. Let's see where they're going in head-to-head leagues as I get out the big list. I, of I would ADP. guess Beckett's going a little ahead of Wainwright. Beckett's going at the very beginning of round six. Wainwright is actually going 15 spots ahead of Beckett. Okay. So he's so, 47th overall. Yeah. End of round four. People are underestimating the impact of the beer-free, chicken-free <laughs> Red Sox regime on uh, John, Josh Beckett. Wainwright or Strasburg, Scott? Uh, definitely Wainwright. Same Al? here. Same here. Wainwright. Uh, they're going back-to-back. And I'll give you three names of pitchers who are pitching well right now. A little off the radar. Wade LeBlanc for Florida. One hit and eight strikeouts and six and a third. Kyle Weiland for Houston. 
And Blake Bevan, a big dude, 23 years old, six foot seven. He's got a whip under one, a two three eight ERA in 11 and a third innings so far. I like that he's pitched 11 and a third innings. It's a little bit bigger of a sample size than what we've seen. So Wade LeBlanc for Florida, Kyle Weiland for Houston, Blake Bevan for Seattle. Anyone stand out? Bevan for me. Um, you saw what he did after the the – Mariners traded Doug Fister last year. He was kind of a carbon copy of Doug Fister. Great control, pitched deep into games at a very young age, and, and that innings total there shows he's kind of doing that in spring training too. Mm-hmm. So um, still just an AL-only guy, but a worthy AL-only guy. And I like Wyland too. I like Bevin. This is encouraging, and both of them are involved in dogfights for a, a fifth spot, so it's going to help uh, each of them. But I, I do like Wyland more of a strikeout pitcher than Bevin, which isn't really saying a whole lot. Um, but he's doing himself a favor in that uh, Astros race. LeBlanc we haven't mentioned, and really he's got no shot at a rotation spot. He's pitching for a bullpen spot. He is their sixth starter, so if Zambrano melts down or you know whatever happens, uh, <laughs> why would you yeah. go there? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, then what's Ozzy Guillen doing getting thrown out of spring training games? Just getting up the he's, fan interest. It's spring training for everybody, I guess. So. You he's got to work on it, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's what he said. Okay, auction strategies. So based on a twenty-six position, two hundred and sixty dollar budget with. Two catchers, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, middle infielder, corner infielder, five outfielders, and a DH, and nine pitcher spots. Uh, we are talking That's 23. I'm sorry, men. I, 23 positions, yeah. not 26 positions, uh, and a $260 budget. Um, what What is your general strategy as you sit there, auction day? I know, Scott, you like to... I know yeah. you like to kind of budget beforehand. I'm going yes. to spend this much on this position, yes. and then if you go over... You then have to deduct from another position, right? Exactly. Okay. Um, and and I could go on forever about this. Probably, I'm going to go ahead and pitch my auction strategies column, which is up in the draft prep guide on the website because I, I explain it in better detail and in probably uh, I would hope worded better in that format. I'll give you as 40 well. seconds. Okay. Is that enough? Um, yeah. So basically, what I do, I make a budget, like you say. I get it to add up to two hundred sixty dollars. I I try to go. Um, I try to positions I know I want to overbid at, such as I, I pretty much always want two Lewitsky in a mixed league. Um, if I can get Longoria or Bautista as my third baseman, uh, I think they stand out there. Um, an auction gives you the chance to go after the very best players at a position at. The, the players you want the most, the players that you legitimately think are going to set your team apart the most as opposed to just waiting your turn and, and whatever happens to be there in a draft. So you really need to take advantage of that aspect of it. If there's a guy you want, then budget however much you think you re- you'd reasonably need to spend on him. In, in, in this auction, um, our mixed league auction on the site, I budgeted $50 for Troy Tulowitzki. It's a ton of money, but I really wanted him. I got him for 42 uh, So like you said, since it was under budget, I was able to add those $8 to another position on my budget. You're able to keep track of your spending as the auction goes on. You never have to worry about being surprised with no money. Um, and and it, it seems to work well for me. Well, that was a lot more than 40 seconds, yeah. but it was very interesting, so I let you keep going. <laughs> Scott, or Al, you're Al, right? Uh, Last time I checked, yeah, yeah. I should get that at some point. <laughs> Fifty dollars out of two sixty for Troy Tulowitzki is that insane? No, it's not insane, but I probably would never do it. Um, What's your strategy? Yeah, I don't have. I, I would say not as. 
I was going to say disciplined. I'm not sure that's really the right word. The strategy is Scott, but certainly not as precise. Um, I have a general strategy that is similar to Scott's of I, there are certain guys at you know key positions. For me this year, mainly third base, shortstop, and outfield, where I, I want to come away with at least a, a couple of the top guys. Third um, base, overall. shortstop, not, and Not at each position, but right. overall. Um, so, and, you know, and I followed that in, in our mock uh, auction here where I got Jose Bautista for 41 and Matt Kemp, as I mentioned before, for 34. Um, and I probably would have gone as high as 40 on Kemp, which was why I was so happy to get him at 34. And Bautista, I probably would have gone as high as maybe 44, 45. Um, so they start with our projected auction values as a basis for a budget. Not you know specifically allocating for this position or that guy necessarily, but trying to stick to the allocated auction values since they're based on our projections, and I trust trust the projections. Uh, and then if there's somebody who I feel like has extra value to position, I'll usually give myself about a five dollar wiggle room to uh, to bid up there. Well, the looking it's a little dangerous to look at the projections. It's not dangerous. It's a good idea. It's a good idea, but just be aware that the drafts, the auctions are very volatile. Yeah, they, they change so much auction to auction. Yeah, it's not a bad idea, but exactly like you say, if if and and there there are a lot of dra- auctions we've done within this own department like this. This one on the site now doesn't happen to be an example of that, but if you're in a league where guys all subscribe to that same strategy of of going all out for the elite guys those first round types are all going to go for between 45 and 50 dollars i've even seen them go for more than 50 dollars and if that happens pretty much all those other auction values are are suddenly out the window it's not the numbers aren't going to add up the same way uh so you you have to be as much as i like to come up with a very precise plan you have to be able to adjust that plan based on the um, kind of the way yeah. the way things happen to be going in your auction. So we say positions you want to spend big on: shortstop, third base. Al, you say outfield. Yeah, definitely this year. Scott. Uh, yeah. Well, it depends. It depends how much money I'm going to divide between hitting and pitching. I think. I think there's a lot of $20 outfielders out there. Um, it's just how willing you are to go after three or four of those $20 outfields as opposed to one or two. And, and that, and that kind of depends on how you budget the rest of your money. I, I wouldn't want necess- – if I'm going to spend $40 on a player, I wouldn't want it to be a Matt Kemp or a Ryan Braun because I think the fallback options are good enough. There comes a certain point where you've, you go beyond those fallback options and, and then – uh, the weakness of the position really starts to show. So, you, I think you like to spend on second baseman, right? It depends. It, it's more about the player and the tier than just saying I'm going to spend on second base. I would like to spend on Robinson Cano, Dustin Pedroia, or Ian Kinsler, maybe on Ben Zobrist. Uh, but beyond that, if if I don't happen to get those guys, I I might start looking more for a value, see how Dustin Ackley goes, see how much he goes for, see how much uh, Dan Ugla goes for, um, and, you know, potentially even wait longer than that. So it's just a matter, if if I feel like the elite players at a position really are going to set me apart at that position, then I go all out for the elite players. If not, then I'm willing to settle for 
uh, somebody I consider competent. Al, any positions that you're more cautious with just in terms of your bidding? I know Scott likes to doesn't like to spend too much on pitching. Yeah, and and actually in an auction, I'm the same way. Um, looking here, I think the pitcher, yeah, the pitcher I spent the most on was Granky at 23. Um, it's a little bit different than the way I draft, where I'm usually a little more hell-bent to get a top, let's say, top six guy. So I'm, I'm pretty cautious with pitching. I'm extremely cautious with relief pitching. Uh, although there was one auction, I think it was the NL only, where I yeah. spent a lot on Kimbrel well, surpri- you, and surprised myself. You have that. to. And and this is probably a good time to preface that <laughs> most of these these strategies I'm talking about, I mean, for mixed league mixed auctions. Leagues, right. You get into NL and AL only where there's, there's sh- shortages where if, if you don't, get a certain player you're going to have to take a backup at a position i I'm, that gets a little scary and i'm, I'm more likely right. to dis- distribute my money more evenly um closers is a good example of that and in, in, in l there's only 16 closers so for a 12 team league they're all going to go for a fair amount of money uh, but in a mixed league where there's conceivably 30 closers out there uh you can get some one two three dollar guys probably yeah but just to add to the list, so you know, starting pitchers, relief pitchers, and also I'm very, very cautious, extremely cautious with shortstops and uh, with catchers. Not to say I would never go after Hanley or Tulo or, or Carlos Santana, but um, you know, if I miss out on them, I'm I'm right, I'm content to just sit back for a long time and get a fallback option. I'm glad you mentioned catchers. Tell me which strategy you like better because in Roto, you're starting two catchers. Jamie Eisenberg took Salta Lamacchia and John Buck for $1 each, $2 total. I took Mike Napoli and Miguel Montero for $40 total. Who do you like? Uh, which strategy do you like better? I think I like your strategy better, Mr. Adam Azer. <laughs> Take this that, year, Jamie. This year, considering there is so many high-end catchers in my mind, I, we've talked about it before, I think there's nine that I consider, including Jesus Montero in there. Um to me, that's a high enough number that in a two-catcher league, you it, it's reasonable for you to, to, to get two of them. And it's a low enough number that in a two-catcher league, there's going to be enough people that don't have two of them that you're getting a real advantage by right. doing that. So uh, that's the approach I like to take. Uh, that said, if it just doesn't work out, um, I think... Uh, it, it's either that or, or the Jamie or, well, if you can't get one of them, it's either two of them, one of them, or the Jamie approach where you're taking two $1 guys. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really not much in between there for me. And Al, who, who, who won that one? Uh, you did. Yeah, that's You right. did. Um, <laughs> you know, that said, I mean, I typically sort of split the, split the middle, um, whereas, you know, I like to get one, you know, very solid, if not a high-end catcher, but I like my number two guy to be on the higher end of number two mm-hmm. very rare that i would go after uh you know like you did uh, you know two guys who are legit number ones nine pitcher slots typically we you go six starters three closers and in a standard league not too much value in guys who don't get saves uh if you're do- if you're doing a roto league unless of course holds as a category but um we I, i'll look at the relief pitcher strategy that the three of us took on None of us really spent too much on relievers, and I think that's what we always say going into auctions is you don't want to spend too much on relievers. Al, you got Axford for 15, Street for 3, Jansen for 2, and you drafted Fuentes in that seven-round seven reserve draft. So Axford for 15, Street for 3, Jansen for 2. 
Scott, Brandon League for three, Myers for two, Addison Reed for one. You drafted Ogando. You could be in a little bit of trouble, right? What do you I think could about be. That? I was less than happy with the way that turned out. And, and part of that, um, this, is, this is kind of into the adjusting on the fly issue. Uh, part of that is because based on our mixling mock auctions in the past, I anticipated this being one where the elite guys all went for crazy high money. And it didn't end up being that way. Everybody the elite closers or the elite elite everybody. Elite, everybody so fifty dollar Tulowitzki, for example. Right, didn't happen. Um, yeah, it didn't happen, and that meant there was more money on the table for the low end closers. I had only budgeted like one or two dollars for for three for each of the three, um, and it just didn't work out. Um, so. In a way, I, I probably should have adjusted somewhere else. Uh, part of that was because I started worrying about getting the $10 ace I wanted, since the same thing applied there. There was enough money that people were going to spend more than $10 on all those guys. So then I went after C.J. Wilson for 14 Um and then I think Ricky Romero or somebody like that did it ultimately go for 10 So if I had those extra $4 that I could have applied to my closers, it, it would have gone better since it didn't. Yeah, the only one of those three I trust really is League. I'm worried about how how well Myers is going to perform, how many save opportunities he's going to get, and obviously Addison Reed doesn't even have the job yet. So uh, fortunately, I feel like that saves are, are something you can pick up off the waiver wire in a mixed league as the season goes on. None of us are advocating spending a lot on starting pitching. Al mentioned that the most he spent on a starter was Matt Latos for 23. The most Scott spent Grank, was... Granky, actually. I'm, I don't know why I said Matt Latos. You, you did take him, too, right? Yeah, for 18. For 18. Uh, you spent actually a lot more on starting pitching than we did because you had Latos for 18, Granky for 23, Beckett for 14. Um, I, the most I spent on a starter was 12... For Gio Gonzalez, the most Scott spent was 14 for C.J. Wilson. Um, so we don't I, go crazy on starting pitching. Well, I, but you, you're a little <laughs> bit more aggressive. I, I'm, I'm more aggressive, and that, that fits the pattern. No, I would, I would actually say Al's a little more toward the middle. Right. But you yeah, and I, Adam Azer, yeah. are on the crazy end. Okay. <laughs> and um, you have to have a lot of confidence in your ability to assess sleeper pitchers. Um. Yes, to do that. Let's talk I about that. Like. Give me some sleeper pitchers. And and we should say that this all depends on your format. This is a standard roto league, less emphasis on pitching than in a head to head league. If if your league rewards pitching, then you're gonna want to spend more. But some some sleeper pitchers, uh, yes, we did a pitchers podcast, we talked about sleepers, but guys you could get for a dollar late or maybe two dollars. Oh man, this is tough off the top of my head. Um but some guys that I I know went late in our our mock draft. I'll yesterday. throw out some names as I as I look at at the auction. Vance Worley for a buck. Not crazy about him. Francisco Liriano. I know I got him for a buck, yep. and I really like the way he's looking I this think spring. Worley has good upside for a buck. I mean, I'm not crazy about yeah. him as, as like a you know eight nine dollar guy. Like I've seen him in some auctions, but okay, yeah, I shouldn't be so quick to dismiss him. But. Bruce Chen for two. No way. Not for me. Gavin Floyd for one. Like that. That's fine. Good whip. Ricky Nolasco for one. Uh, I'm I'm kind of down on Nolasco. He's he's kind of fooled me enough that I'm I'm ready to move on from I'll him. Use my buck for something else. Yeah, <laughs> Yolis Chassin for one. I think that's that's a fine value. Um, he slowed down in the second half, but I think uh, that was partially him getting tired, and he should be better this year. Dempster for one. I like him. Um, the strikeouts were still there. 
I think the ERA was inflated by an early cold stretch. Mm, Lube key for five. That was yours. Ab- yeah, absolutely. Good strikeouts, great whip, great ERA probably. Uh, the innings I worry about with him, but it's not such an issue in a roto league. So I, I would say that's a. The, it, you're going to probably find more three, four, five dollar guys that I like than one, two dollar guys. Neftali Feliz for three. I think that could end up being good for the same reasons Luke Key is good. Burley for three or, or for five. Oh, mm, not so much. A dollar at most on yeah, not, Burley. Yeah, not going to give you strikeouts and could hurt your ERA and WHIP actually. That was my pick. <laughs> uh, if, it, real, if it makes you feel like better, you schooled us on the relievers. I thought you. I did do well on the relievers. <laughs> one guy you didn't mention though, Mike Leak, who I would consider in that one to two dollar range. Bud Norris, a good source of strikeouts in that range. Okay. Yeah, and I'll add probably my favorite uh, late round uh, pitcher guy, uh, Jonathan Nice, for a buck. I like that. So we'll do good or bad values for the for the position players, and then we'll get into emails at fantasybaseball at cbsinteractive.com. But I have to ask this question. Do you care about in which order you go after players or you nominate players? Do you mm. want your hitters first and then have yeah. money for your pitchers later? What, what's your strategy there? That's, for me, another a very much a feel-out-the-room process. You're a poker player in there. (laughs) (laughs) The worst thing that could happen to you is waiting for the last player at the tier you target. So if if there's one player you're kind of eyeing, say, uh, what's a good example? Say among the injury risk uh, but high, potentially high in third baseman, you you really like Kevin Euclid. If you see all these other third basemen going from that tier, and it looks like Kevin Euclid might be the last guy, when it comes your turn, you need to go ahead and nominate him before he is the last guy. Because if he becomes the last guy, that's the one who usually goes for too much money because everybody ended up waiting for the last guy in that tier. So there are times where you absolutely want to nominate the guy you want, such as that. Another instance where you might want to nominate him is if it seems early on that people are, are being really conservative, holding back their money, not not wanting to spend too much, saving for who knows what. Go ahead and nominate your favorite sleepers early um, because uh, they're probably not going to right. want to spend on him. But if you wait until late when there's all this money left over, then they're going to go for more than probably guys ranked a lot higher than them went for. Fair enough. Um, but there's also times where you want to no- nominate somebody you don't want uh, like maybe the opposite scenario if everybody's going crazy spending early. Um, nominate a guy you know is going to get auctioned at some point, but you don't really want. You might get somebody to throw $10 at him, and chances are you're not going to have to get him yourself. So, Did you want to add anything to that? Yeah. Um, you know, definitely I use the nominate the guy I don't want uh, strategy a lot, which, you know, I hate to say publicly because anybody who <laughs> auctions with me knows then who I don't like. Wow. But, but, you know, also in conjunction with checking the roster grid, I find that to be a really useful tool because if there's somebody that, you know, if there's a position that you filled and that's another trick um, is just, you know, nominate guys in positions where you filled so you can just sit back and let other people spend their money, but check the roster grid before you do and see if there's any looming competitions out there. So if there's two owners that both need a second base, and only two owners, and you're filled at second base, throw out the highest-end guy that's available and let them 
mm-hmm. you know, outbid each other and get some of the dollars off the table. Sure, exactly. Let's play good, va- good value or bad value. I will say uh, a player and give his what he went for in our auction. You tell me just good or bad, and we'll try to fly through this. Carlos Santana for twenty-seven dollars. Uh, good. Sounds about right. Yeah. Na- Napoli for twenty-one. Pretty much right. You know what? I'm gonna. Did you get these all from our our, our mock auction? Mm-hmm. It was crazy how closely we followed the projected auction <laughs> values in that okay. one. So I'm not sure there's gonna be a lot of guys who stand out as good value or bad value here. But we can keep going if yeah, you want. Yeah, let's Maybe. keep going. Mezzarocco okay. for five. I would say that's bad value in a mixed league. Let's go to first base. That was mine, I think. <laughs> <laughs> do you like him for $5? I actually do, yeah. Okay. Pujols for 38 Good value. I, he could go for 50 Votto for 31 Good value. Very good value. Teixeira for 29 okay. Good value. Canerico for 12 That was mine. I'm going to say good value. <laughs> <laughs> Ike Davis for 8 um, in mixed league, uh, I, I think there's the potential for him to go less if you're in one of those spend $50 for the elite guys leagues, uh, but otherwise it's about right. Cano for 33 as we go to second base. Pretty good value. Kinsler for 29. I'd say good value. Ugla for 17. I'd say about just about right, not great or bad. Yeah, but closer to good than bad. Yeah. Utley for 12. At this point, I'd say probably bad value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kip, Kipnis for three. Um, there's leagues where you could get him for one, probably. Yeah. So I'd say bad, but three's not terrible. Miguel Cabrera moving on to third base for forty dollars. Good value. Evan Longoria for thirty-three. Likewise, yeah, Longoria I could see going close to forty-four. Kevin Euclid for eighteen. I'd say closer to good than bad, but maybe about right. Aramis Ramirez for thirteen. About right. Yeah. Oh, we did very well then. <laughs> Hanley Ramirez for $29 at shortstop. You know, I might, uh, I, I don't see myself paying more for him, but I could see him going for a lot more. Is Drupal Cabrera for 15 I'd mm. say that's about right. And, um, you know, I think there's probably some folks that in some leagues where he'd go for a lot more and that would be bad value. But uh, here I think that was right on target. Roto, D. Gordon for 11 yeah, sounds about right. Jed Lowry for two. Uh, you could probably get him for one. So some of these two dollar ones too. It's where somebody has a hole to fill, and somebody else nominates them, and you you go the extra dollar. So it's really hard ever to fault somebody for paying two dollars for somebody. Yeah, I could go on about two dollar players. I have a whole little spiel about <laughs> we them. We ran out of time. <laughs> is it in the draft prep? It is in the draft. Perfect. Prep. Outfield. Ryan Braun for forty one. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say closer to good than bad. He could go for 50. What's better, Braun for 41 or Ellsbury for 34? Ellsbury, I mean. Yeah, Jay Bruce for 19. Uh, Normal, pretty normal. Nelson Cruz for 17. More than I'd pay. Yeah, a little high. Alex Gordon for 16. Now you know I think that's a little high. I <laughs> thought it was low. <laughs> I bought him. <laughs> Michael Kadire for 11. Uh, Probably more than I'd pay. Jay Bruce for 19 or Logan Morrison for 6? Um, I like Morrison a lot. I think I probably won him because I'm getting him in most leagues. So I'll say him. 
And I have to actually say for Roto, um, Morrison's much better uh, than he is in, in, in head-to-head than Roto. So for Roto, I like Bruce because I want to be sure that I get a reliable number two guy. I'm not sure I could trust Morrison to be that. Bryce Harper for $2. Well, he's not that at $6. Well, but you're saying one or the other? I'm I'm less worried about how much I spend okay. for the number three guy. I could you know maybe spend two or three bucks for my number three guy. So okay, Roy Halladay for thirty five or Jared Weaver for twenty six. Uh, I would go Weaver for twenty six for sure. Guess what? You'd go Hall- <laughs> I'm Halliday. Going Halliday. That's nine dollars difference between those two. Gallardo for twenty two. That's good. That's good value. Yep. Josh Johnson for seventeen. Also love- good. Yeah. Wilson for fourteen. Obviously, I like that one. Irvin Santana for 10. I think that's very good. I think he's a potential sleeper. Brandon Beachy for 9. Better than he went, f- uh, better value than what happened in our NL only, where he went for like 22 or 23 or something. Wow. Yeah. Email time. Here we go. We start with Chris in Houston, Texas. I have only participated in a handful of auction drafts, but one thing that has been very important to me in every draft was to be in a strong position money wise towards the end of the draft. Chris, I agree with you. I like having money at the end in a mixed league where it's deep and there are going to be good players available. Anyway, back to the question. Um, In every draft I participated in, I end up with way too much money on the table at the end of the draft. For example, in a draft I just completed, I ended up with $33 left. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. How do you avoid avoid that? Well, I like leaving money to an extent. Yeah, 33 is a lot, man. <laughs> if you have sleepers you like so much that you really feel like you need to save that much money for them, just go ahead and nominate them early and don't put yourself in this position. What I like to do is when I have about twice as much money as my max bid, that's when I stop. And I, whatever sleepers happen to be left, if, if I find one I like, I make sure I'm the guy who bids two on them. And uh, if not, I let them go. If so, I get them. Um, I, I, you know, obviously I have an advantage over the guys that just have $1 left doing that. And, uh, but at the same time, I'm not leaving tons of money on the table. Okay. Next email from Fausto. No, just kidding. Bruno Loretto. Very good, Bruno. Clever joke. Drafting in a week in my 10 team head to head categories league. I don't really have too many doubts about my first round pick, but my question is next to the first round, assuming I get too low who I'm targeting, which position do you think has the biggest drop-off after the early rounds? Uh, okay, because it, I think it's shortstop, but obviously he's, yeah. you know, that's who he's targeting, so that's not the issue. After shortstop, I'm thinking either catcher or outfield. Pretty much every position I feel like there's guys going off throughout the early rounds. Mm-hmm. I would actually say either third or second base because even though – you do see guys still going in the early rounds. They're not near the quality, I feel like, as the elite at those two positions. Uh, so those would be my choices. Third base or second base? Yeah. And yeah. it says catcher. And catcher and outfield, and I'm actually targeting outfield because as good as Carlos Santana is, I just have this thing where I just don't trust catchers, even the elite ones. Scott, you ready to be challenged? Sure. Adrian in North Carolina has the fourth slot in the draft. I know Scott likes Tulo, but... I want to challenge that. Why not use that pick on Kemper Braun if you like Bonifacio so much at shortstop like I do? Uh, it's a good point. Um, obviously, Bonifacio is a guy I've been drafting as my shortstop in a lot of leagues, but we just talked about the one position that stands out as having a clear 
uh, step up over everyone else as shortstop. And when you have a chance to give yourself that advantage over every other team in the league, I think you got to go for it. I, I feel confident that I can fill a, a good outfield, particularly if I emphasize hitting over pitching early, uh, that I don't need to go after Kemper Braun. And you never know, you might end up needing to use Bonifacio as your third baseman or maybe even an outfielder. He could be a fallback option if you don't find a guy you like there. Uh, so that's what I'd do. But, well, what about the choices that he offers here? Right, so he says where Bonifacio's going is similar to the likes of B.J. Upton or Corey Hart. Would you rather have Kemp and Bonifacio or Tulo and B.J. Upton or Corey Hart? Uh, Well, if I'm going to be honest, I'd rather have Kemp and Bonifacio, but I'm not drafting B.J. Upton. (laughs) There's there's really no chance I'm ever going to draft him. I don't like him. So who's who's your outfielder with that strategy then? Um, let's get the ADP out, shall yeah, we? Yeah, you need or to do let's that. Let's look at 10th round would, outfielders. I probably wouldn't wait until the 10th round to draft my what, Jason second Hayward. outfielder. I would, I would go with Hayward over Upton. But what, but what I'm saying is I would, I would probably get a Desmond Jennings, um, uh, right. a Shinsu Chu, a Shane Victorino. Um, I, I, would, I would already have that taken care of by the time it got to the point Bonifacio was going off the board. Matt and Ann Arbor, where do you guys start placing the top holds guys? Jansen, Clippard, Adams, Bard last year. Not going to be this year. In the rankings among relief pitchers, since my league in my league saves and holds are of equal value. Wow. So he's asking in that in that particular yeah, so, format. Yeah. So you know, save so set up men who get holds are just as valuable as closers who get saves. Um, where do you where do you put those guys? Well, it it sort of devalues everybody in a way because the holds are cheap and they're variable. Um, so, you know, a guy like, well, I don't even want to talk about Jansen because I don't know if he's going to have more saves or holds this year, but somebody like Clippard, okay, he'll be a, a, a hold stud. Um, you know, see, so he'd have as much value as, as Storm. Well, like Venters would or have Venters. huge value. Like, yeah. He'd be better than a lot of closers. So right? Eric O'Flaherty, too. I mean, he was in the top five, I think, in holds. So there, there's a lot of guys out there. It's, yeah, it's, again, it's really anybody I, who has got a solid role and if, solid if I were doing this, opportunities. I would just look at last year's numbers, and I would if there's a guy who's got 15 more holds than a closer had saves, you take him, right? I mean, it seems like, like a no-brainer. They count with the same. Uh, last email. Mike from last year's podcast league gets to keep three players, head-to-head league standard scoring. Jose Bautista, 30. Michael Young, three. Mike Morse for three. Jay Bruce, 12. Lomo for three. So pick three of those. Bautista for 30. Michael Young for three. Morse for three. Lomo for three. Jay Bruce for 12. All right. And this is, you said, okay, head to head. So here's where I go a $3 Lomo over a $12 Jay Bruce. And uh, keeping Bautista. And then it's down to Bruce at 12 and Morse for three. And I like Morse at three. So I've got Bautista, Morse, and Lomo. See, I would... As much as I like Lomo, I'd leave him out. I, I like Bautista Michael Young for $3. I, I think he's a bus candidate, but for $3, you, you know, you can't cl- come close to that value. And then uh, Michael Morris is $3. We're done. We're back tomorrow. More spring training trends and much more fantasy baseball analysis. Thanks, everybody. Fantasy Baseball at CBSInteractive.com. We'll talk to you later.